The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Good word. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Is this the 10 a.m. service? Yes. Marshall, you didn't say it again this week, hey? Where is he? But Marshall said last week, he shared a secret with the 10 a.m. service, you know? Last week he said, and if you're in the 10, if you're in the 10 a.m. service, you're the chosen frozen. No. <laughs> so good morning, 10 a.m. service. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we started a brand new series, and the series is titled uh, Receiving and Ministering Healing, um, you know, Ministering Healing, full stop. And so today, we're going to be continuing in that same series. And and really, as I was praying to the Lord, as I was really seeking His will about what to share um, this morning, I, I felt the Lord tell me that we need to go back to some basics. We need to go back to some basics. And so this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you really some foundational truths. I'm really praying that we get to three foundational truths. In the first service, we got to two. (laughs) But really, my desire, my goal this morning is to share with you three foundational truths that we really as a church just need to be established in. If we are not only to receive healing when we are sick, but also if we're to begin to live and to possess position ourselves to walk in divine health. You know, we learned through the series that divine health is so much better than divine healing because really you need divine healing if you're sick, but you can get to a position of divine health where you're never sick. Amen. And so really the heart at the heart of the series, at the heart of the series, and really our passion um, as pastors is that the truth that I'm the truths that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, these truths are going to equip you. The foundational truths that you're going to hear this morning, man, they're going to begin to stir up your faith. They're going to begin to stir up your confidence so that you too can be effective in your ministering of healing to the sick. Because here's the thing, you know, if you are a believer, you know, ministering healing to the sick is not optional. It really shouldn't be. As believers, it's 100% our responsibility to bring healing to the sick. You know, there's a scripture that we shared uh, a few weeks ago in Mark 16, verse 18. And, And the scripture told us, it says, Believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And so what we saw from this passage of scripture is that that it's God's will for for his body. It's God's will for all believers. You know, not just the evangelist. You know, not just the the, the preacher, the the, the pastor, the, the life group leaders, the elders. It's God's will that all of us as believers, with no one excluded, be the answer to the problem of sickness and disease in this world. Amen. And so I've got some good news for you, church, this morning. I've got some really, really good news. Because if you are a believer, do you know what? You are qualified to minister healing to the sick. You know, if you are a believer, you are qualified to pray for the sick. 
And you know, if you are a believer, you are qualified to lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Man, this is really awesome. Um, I, there, there's really a scripture uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 3. That, you know, when I really began to understand these truths, man, it gave me such a confidence and it gave me such a, man, really just a boldness um, to really begin to step out um, and, 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 and carry out this kingdom mandate of ministering healing to the sick. And so let's go quickly to 2 Corinthians 3, and we're going to read verses 4 to 7 um, in the original Amplified um, Bible. And so really, if you're a believer, you know, don't disqualify yourself. You know, you are more than qualified. In fact, you're sufficiently qualified to also minister healing to the sick too. And you're not qualified because really of anything that you've done. You're qualified because of every single thing that Jesus has done for you. Amen. And so 2 Corinthians 3 verses 4 to 7 in the original Amplified. Okay, we still don't have it, but it's okay. says this. It says, your reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ to, sorry, such is the confidence and steadfast reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ toward God. Verse five, not that we are sufficiently qualified in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency, you know, our qualifications, they come from God. And I love what Paul says in verse 6. He says, he, in other words, God, God has qualified us. God has qualified us. And in the Amplified Classic, in the Amplified, the original Amplified, it says, God has made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant. And in brackets, it says, of salvation through Christ, not of the letter of a written code, but of the Spirit For the letter of the law kills by revealing sin and demanding obedience. But the spirit gives life. And so what we see in this very passage of scripture is that God has qualified all of us. Man, God has made all of us as believers sufficient and well able to be ministers of what the scripture says, his new covenant. And we know that the new covenant, man, really includes the covenant of healing. And so church, man, we need to really settle this in our heart. I mean, we need to know this in the knower of our knowers, that you are qualified. Man, as a believer, you are fully loaded. You're fully loaded. You know, in my own personal life, I just had to get to a point. You know, I just really had to get to a point where I had to make a decision to stop allowing fear to tell me that I couldn't minister to the sick. And you know what the thing is about fear? When the voice of fear starts talking to you, don't listen, because fear is absolutely a liar. And so the voice of fear, remember, you know, I got born again in my 20s, late 20s, actually. Um, And then, man, I got born again, I was thrust into ministry. And so the voice of fear would always try to speak during life group. You know, when the pastor says, does anyone want to pray for someone who's sick? And there's the voice of fear speaking to me. And the voice of fear began to tell me, no, forget about putting up your hand. You are just so not qualified. Do you remember your BC days? 
Do you remember what you used to do before you met Jesus, before Jesus found you? Man, that and that alone disqualifies you. And so church, I'm here to encourage you. Man, man, the Holy Spirit really had to do a mighty work in me. You know, it was so bad. The voice of fear was so intimidating. It was so real to me. Do you know what I used to do? I'm so ashamed to admit it, okay? But I, only, I didn't tell the 8 a.m. service, so I'm specifically telling you. And then as soon as I tell you this, delete it from your minds, okay? If you're watching online, don't listen. <laughs> but but um, the, the, fear, the voice of fear was so real to me. When the pastor, when the life group leader said, does anyone want to pray? Do you know what I would do? I was a young mother. I would pinch my baby. <laughs> I would pinch my baby. So that I'd say, oh no, I can't pray. I can't pray. The baby's crying. I need to go put the baby on my back. <laughs> And so I, the Holy Spirit's done such a mighty work in my life. And he can do a mighty work in your life too. Stop allowing the voice of fear to tell you that you cannot minister to the sick. Because you are qualified. You are qualified to pray for the sick. You are qualified to lay hands on the sick. And when you lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. And you know, I feel really, um, I feel I need to tell someone this. You know, some of us are going to have to stop letting our own health challenges, letting the, our own health problems disqualify us from ministering to the sick. Because it's got nothing, you know, our qualification to be effective ministers, our qualification to pray for the sick has got nothing to do with us. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got absolutely everything to do with Jesus. Amen. And so again, I know I'm belaboring this point, but I, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to get to three, the three foundational truths. I really think I might get to two. But I, I feel strongly, I really do, in this very service. That the Holy Spirit is, is wanting you, is wanting actually someone to hear this. And I don't, I don't know if it's in here, and I don't know if it's online. But the Holy Spirit is really wanting someone to hear this. You can pray for the sick. You're not too young. You're not too young. Moms, you can pray for your children. Dads, you can pray for your children. You can pray for the sick, you know, when, 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 they, need, when they need healing. Amen. Amen. And so, and so really, um, my, my invitation this morning is, is simply this. Um, it's simply this. It's, it's, it's time for us as believers to get off the sidelines. You know, it's time for us as believers to stop being spectators in the kingdom of God, specifically when it comes to ministering healing. You know, you know Jesus speaking in the, in the word, in the Bible, he says, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but he says the laborers are few. You know, you only need to just look around you. You only need to like look next door. Man, there's, there are many sick people around us. You know, there are many people who just are, 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 are tormented by disease. Uh, many, many sick people out there, you know. But on the flip side, and Jesus said it, there are very few believers out there who are willing to step out in faith. There are very few believers out there who are willing to put up their hands and say, man, I want to be the answer to the problem of sickness and disease. And so my invitation to you all this morning, in fact, 
I feel it so strongly. It is a strong exhortation. My strong exhortation to you this morning, my strong encouragement to you this morning is it's time to get off the sidelines and it's time to get into the field. It's time to get into the field of ministering healing to the sick people in your spheres of influence. Amen. 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 So let's go to the first foundational truth. <laughs> I really am praying we'll get to three. But anyway, um, let's, let's start off with the first foundational truth. Again, these are truths I want to share that, man, you need to just know in your knower are true. Right? The, these truths are, are really not only going to help you receive healing when you are sick, but they're going to help you be effective, effective in your ministry to the sick. Okay, so, so really, um, Pastor Tafar and I, we, we pray for a lot of sick people. Man, we pray for a lot of sick people. And this is my personal observation, you know, especially for the people that I've personally prayed for. Usually, most times, most of the people that come for, for prayer, you can, you can literally uh, put them into two groups. There's the first group of people, man, they're just, they're just ignorant, right? They don't even know that they can be healed. They don't even know anything about healing, right? And, and usually they're kind of sent by their relatives, right? So they have no idea, you know, about God's will concerning healing. And then there's the second group of people. They, they, they know, they, they don't doubt God's ability to heal. They know that God is powerful. They know that God has, you know, an infinite supply of healing power to take care of their sickness, to take care of disease. But the, 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 the lingering question at the core of their heart, they, are, they have a doubt. They, they're so filled with doubt. And, 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 and the question, um, inevitably, they'll, they'll always be asking is, is it God's will to heal me? You know, does God want to heal me? And so always, if, if, if both groups of people come to me for prayer, really our answer is always the same. And, and that answer I'm going to share with you should be your answer. If you encounter people who either don't even know about healing, or if you encounter people who are doubting God's willingness to heal, to heal their bodies, um, this is really what you should answer them. And this is really what's going to form um, the first foundational truth that I'm going to be sharing with you. And so really, if you're writing notes, and I'm going to encourage you to write notes this morning, the first foundational truth that we all need to settle in our heart as true is simply this. Healing is always God's will. I'm going to say it again. Healing is always God's will. God wants us well. God wants us well. And so this morning, I'm really, I'm so stepping out of my comfort zone because I'm used to like a Bible study type teaching, okay? But I really felt the Lord say, man, you need to just drop scriptures here. And when you drop scriptures, this, you know, during this teaching, you know, encourage, encourage people to, to, to write them down. You know, I'm going to encourage you, and I was asked to encourage you to really uh, uh, put them in your notepad. If you've got iPhones, put them on your phone. If you've got an iPad, actually, and I've learned this quite recently, right? There's a fancy function called notes, and in notes, you can create folders. I want you to create a folder that actually says toolkit for ministering healing. Because really, these scriptures that I'm going to be throwing out are scriptures that you just need to add into your toolkit, 
when it comes to not only receiving healing for yourselves, but also when it comes to ministering healing to others. These are scriptures you need to just meditate on. Actually, you need to memorize them, okay? I'm, I'm actually just going to put it out there. You need to memorize them. These scriptures need to become so real for you. They need to really be so deep in your heart that when someone comes to you and they're sick and they need some form of ministry, they need some form of teaching, you're going to be ready. You're going to be ready with these scriptures. And so really... Um, I'm going to be sharing with you some scriptures. Um, and, 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 and in order really to answer, uh, or, or, you know, is it, is it God's willingness to heal? Um, we need to understand this one, uh, one, one fundamental truth, right? You know, why, why do we need to know God's, God's will for us concerning healing? Why? Because, because the, the, the truth is this, that every single thing, every single good thing that God has for us, we're going to receive in our lives through faith, by faith. Um, you know, we learn and we teach in this church that faith is, is really our positive response to appropriate in our lives the good things that God has done, the grace of God, right? But here's the thing about faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Faith can only begin where the will of God is known. And so where the will of God is not known... And you're going to struggle. In fact, you can't. You can't. You, you will not receive healing in your bodies. And man, you're going you're gonna to struggle to really effectively minister healing, healing to other people. And so the question you're probably asking is, well, how do I begin to know God's will concerning healing? And the answer is simple. We go to his word. Why? Because God's word is his will. God's word is his will. If we want to know God's express will, we go to his word. And the starting point, um, if we are to know God's will, probably the best place to start um, is, is to look at Jesus. You know, to look at Jesus and his earthly ministry. So go with me quickly to um, John 6. And we're going to read verse 7. And this is one scripture you can put in your, in your toolkit for ministering. John 6 verse 38. We're going to look at it in the King James Version. It says this, it says, for I came down from heaven. So this is Jesus speaking. And he, and he simply says this, he says, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And so what we begin to see in this passage of scripture is that as Jesus walked on this earth, as Jesus fulfilled his earthly ministry, he wasn't fulfilling his own will. In fact, what he was doing is he was fulfilling the will of God. In fact, how the, um, the Holy Spirit uh, really, really um, uh, 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 revealed to me uh, what Jesus came to do is he said this. He said, Jesus is the will of God in action. Jesus is the will of God in action. So Jesus not only came to reveal the will of God, but Jesus also came to execute God's will on this earth. And so really, when it came to healing, all we simply need to do is, is really just look at the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, we begin to see a, 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 a really a profound truth. And that truth is healing was central to everything that Jesus did. You know, everywhere, that, everywhere you saw Jesus, everywhere, he was healing people. And so, in, you know, I believe that the scripture that best summarizes Jesus's whole ministry on the earth, the scripture that best summarizes God's express will um, concerning healing is Acts 10 verse 38. So let's go there. Acts 10 verse 38. Let's put it in our toolkit. 
And Acts 10, 38 says this. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And it says, who went about doing good and healing all. So if you've got one of those physical Bibles, you probably want to underline, circle, highlight. No shame. I've got lots of physical Bibles at home, okay? So, you know, I want to underline those because we're going to camp around um, in healing, in that word healing all. Um, But it says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Man, it really doesn't get much clearer than this, this scripture. The scripture says Jesus not only went about doing good, but it also says he went about doing good and healing all. Man, I remember I said to you, Jesus is the will of God in action. Well, right there we begin to see the will of God in action. You know, Hebrews 1 verse 3, and we don't, we don't really have to put it up there, but again, it's one, one um, scripture you need to put down in your toolkit. But Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this. It says that Jesus is the express image of God's person. And that all, simply what that means is it means that Jesus was the exact representation of the unseen God. Amen. And so if you want to know what God looks like, you simply need to look at Jesus. If you want to know what God's true nature is, all you need to do is look at Jesus. And so if you want to know what God's will is concerning healing, again, all we need to do is look at Jesus. And what does Acts 10.38 um, you know, tell us Jesus did? Well, the scripture says Jesus went about healing all. And if Jesus went about healing all, Or, well, what does this show us concerning what God's will about healing is? Well, it's very clear. God's will is also to heal all. Amen. And so, you know, for many years I used to say, oh, that word all means all. But actually it doesn't really. You know what that word all means? That word all means nothing left out. And so really the good news is as far as God's will is concerned, There is nothing that he has left out. There is no sickness that he's left out of his will to heal. There is no disease that he's left out of his will to heal. There is no cancer that he's left out of his will to heal. There is no COVID-19 that he's left out of his will to heal. There is no migraine that he's left out of his will to heal. There's absolutely no sickness too big. There is no sickness too small that he left out of his will to heal. And do you know what else that word all means? It also means that there was no one left out of God's will to heal. God's will was to heal everyone. God's will was not only to heal everyone, but God's will is actually still to heal everyone of everything, every single time. Man, hallelujah. That's really awesome news. That's just really awesome news. Let's go to Matthew 8. And we're going to read verses 1 to 3. I like the scripture in Matthew 8. Because if, if there's any real question, lingering question in your, in your heart about what God's will is concerning healing, this, this scripture, I believe it, 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 it answers very explicitly what God's will is for you concerning your healing. Amen. 
So let's go to Matthew 8, verse 1. And we're going to read all the way to verse 3. But really, just to, just to let you know. So this, this, this story, it's really the story of the leper, was actually Jesus' first personal case of healing. You know, prior to this, we'd seen Jesus uh, go around and he was healing crowds. He was healing multitudes. Um, the scriptures say he healed them all of all sicknesses, you know, all diseases, right? But here in Matthew 8, we begin to encounter Jesus' first case of individual healing. And so verse 1 says, when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And then in verse 2, it says this, it says, and behold, there was a leper. And it says, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, in other words, if you will, it says, thou can make me clean. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to stop here a little bit, because really, this is where most of us are. If we really are to think about it, especially when it comes to when we're faced with a crisis, you know, especially when we're faced with some form of health crisis, either in our own bodies, either in our family bodies, or, or just a health crisis in general, you know, um, fear, man, doubt, they can begin to, to really start bombarding our minds. And, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, most times we, we're, not, we're not doubting God's ability to heal. Man, we're not doubting this, you know. We've, we've all seen at some point, a, uh, you know, God heal people, God miraculously deliver people. Man, we, we've, we've read it in, our, in, the, in the Bible. So, so God, we're not doubting God's um, ability to heal. But really, and especially in a time of crisis, and especially when this crisis is, has gone on for quite some time, what, what fear and what doubt will, will tend to do is they will f- challenge you. And they will start um, leading you to question God's willingness to heal you. And you know, the enemy is so relentless. Because once he knows there's even a, shed, even a, a, a grain of, of doubt about God's willingness to heal you, he, he, starts, he starts bombarding your mind um, you know, with, with, with thoughts like this. You know, he starts saying, okay, no, 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 God's absolutely not willing to heal you because you're not worthy. You know, he'll start bombarding your mind with thoughts like this. He says, no, God is absolutely not willing to heal you. You sinned last night. And, and some of you are mothers, so you, you're probably going to get me here, right? You know, the, the enemy, I mean, these things, have hap- these things are so real, they've happened to me. The enemy will, you know, will start coming up to you and saying, do you, do you really think God wants to heal uh, you know, that headache? I mean, you, after, you're a bad mother. I mean, after all, you shouted at your children all the way to church. True story, man. <laughs> These are some of the things, you know, that, 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 that really start to, you know, to overwhelm you, you know. And if you're not established in, in the truths that I'm really going to share with you and I'm sharing with you uh, uh, this morning, man, they, 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 can, they can really, um, you know, cause, cause some, serious, um, some serious pain. And so here really was this leper, you know, he'd come to Jesus. And I want to tell you a little bit about leprosy, actually, before I forget. Um, I did a little bit of research about leprosy. Now, now leprosy was quite a debilitating disease. It was actually a, um, a skin condition, a very, very visible um, skin condition. And here are some things I found out about leprosy. It says leprosy is, was, a, was a disease that would literally deform and also mutilate the body as it progresses, as it progressed. Okay? Uh, uh, research also says that leprosy then was incurable. Man, it was contagious. And because it was contagious, people with leprosy just could not. In fact, they were not allowed to mix with other people. Um, I also found out that in the old covenant law, you couldn't even touch a leper. 
And so in, in, in those days, um, leprosy was actually a symbol or a symbol of sin. So if you had leprosy, most people would say, man, that is a sinner of sinners. Stay away from him. And so, so this is really the situation that we find this guy in. But I think what really made this man's crisis a real crisis is really what Luke begins to reveal in his rendition of the story. Now, Luke was a doctor. Luke was a medical doctor. So he was actually able to more accurately define and diagnose this man's condition. Um, In the book of Luke, Luke verse 5, I believe it's verse 13 or 14, Luke says this one thing. Luke says that this man was full of leprosy. You know, the Amplified Translation, it says, it says this. It says, um, it says, this guy, sorry if I can get there quickly. It says, this guy was, had an advanced case of leprosy. It says he was covered with an advanced case of leprosy. In other words, what this, what this indicated was that this man was really in the last stages of the leprosy. I mean, this guy was dying. And so what happens is we see this man full of leprosy, covered in leprosy, dying. And he comes to Jesus. He's not, he's not doubting if Jesus can heal him. But what he's doubting, and, and, and I always like to picture, you know, whenever I read scriptures, I always like to see, see, see the scene. And I can just see this man saying, man, Jesus, I, I, I know you can heal me, but, but will you heal me? I'm an outcast. You know, I, I know Jesus, I know you can heal me, but, but do you want to heal me? I'm a sinner. You know, he came to Jesus and says, I, Jesus, I know you can heal me, but, but are you willing to heal me? Man, I'm dying. And man, watch what Jesus says. Watch what Jesus done. Because I think verse 3 really portrays the, the, really the heart of the Father um, you know, towards us and towards, and towards really sickness and disease. Verse 3 says this. It says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now I want you to see something here. The scripture says Jesus put forth and he touched this guy. And then he says, I will. In other words, what Jesus was saying is he was saying, I will heal you. You know, I, I, we've, all got the, we've all got the scripture here, okay? And I said in the earlier service, I, I, don't, I don't see any hesitation on Jesus' part, right? I don't see Jesus draw back, say, uh-uh, uh-uh, you, you're dying, I can't deal with this, Right? Nowhere in the scripture do you see Jesus say, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure what the will of the Father is. I, I, I'm not really sure, you know, after all, you are a sinner, you do have leprosy, you know. I might need to check into HQ. I might need to check into headquarters, you know, to find out what the, the will of the Father is. Man, we see none of that stuff. We see none of that stuff. Why? Because Jesus knew exactly what the will of the Father was. He knew that the will of God was to heal everyone of everything, every single time. And so as soon as the leper came to him, the scripture says he put forth his hands and he touched the leper. He wasn't even supposed to touch a leper. You know, they always said leprosy was contagious. Okay, speaking about contagion and things that are contagious. You know, we've got two daughters. 
Munes is nine. Um, Tinaya is six. Yeah, she's just turned take six. And um, there was a time when Tinaya had a really bad cough. It was like this nagging cough that just didn't want to go away. And one day they were playing together. You know, they were playing dollies. I love girls because you can like say, play with your dolls for 20 minutes. And they'll play with their dolls for 20 minutes. Boys, on the other hand, play with your cars for 20 minutes. After like one minute, they're like fighting and killing each other, right? But anyway, I said, play with your dolls for 20 minutes. And while they were playing with their dolls, Tinaya had the audacity to cough in Munesu's face. <laughs> and here was Munesu. She was horrified. Needless to say, before the 20 minutes was over, she comes running up to me. Mommy, mommy, Tina is coughed in my face. She's contagious. I'm going to be sick too. I want to go to school. I've actually got a daughter who loves to go to school, okay? So I'm actually quite glad that she was thinking about not going to school. But anyway, that's a story for another day. And so the Holy Spirit led me to to say this to her, because I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't me, okay? it was the Holy Spirit. And he said, and he told me to say these words to him. This is, this is what I said to Manesu, okay? True story. I said to, I said, I said to, to Manesu, Manesu, you need to go and lay hands on Tinaya. Okay, because here's the thing. She may be contagious with a cough. She may be contagious with sickness. But sweetheart, man, you've got something that's so much better. You are health. You have health. And you are contagious with health. And so as you lay hands on her, as you lay hands on Tinaya, you're going to infect her with health. (laughs) And then as you infect her with health, that sickness will have no choice but to leave. And Manesu was like, okay. She still wants to go to school, right? She laid hands on Tinaya and man, needless to say, Tinaya was healed. And so I think really in, you know, I believe, you know, the reason why Jesus put forth his hand, the reason why Jesus, man, dared to touch the leper is because Jesus knew that truth too. Jesus knew that he was contagious with health. He knew that as he touched this leper, he was going to infect him with health and that health is always greater than sickness. As he infected him with health, that sickness would have no choice but to leave. And guess what? That sickness left immediately. Thank you, Jesus. Man, Jesus said, I will. You're not going to find any place in the Bible where Jesus says, I won't, okay? Because it doesn't exist. Jesus is always willing. And you know why, the re- why Jesus is always willing? Because God is always willing. And one thing that I've learned through studying scriptures is that when God says he will, man, he will. Every time that God says he will, he does what he says he will do. Amen. Um, let's look at the NIV translation of that passage of scripture. So of NIV of um, Matthew 8 verse 13. The NIV, Jesus says this. He says, I am willing. Be clean. The BBE translation says this. It is my pleasure. Be clean. Man, it's God's absolute pleasure to heal you. And then the Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, of course I want you healed. Of course I want you healed. Be healed. And so church, we need to really hear what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us this morning. You know, God is not a respecter of persons. We learned that last week. You know, God doesn't show favoritism. If it was God's will, if it was his pleasure, if he wanted to heal the leper then, man, guess what? It's his will. It's his pleasure. God wants to hear you now. God wants you well. Amen? 
And so I just say to this morning, um, you know, to really to someone who's, who's, who's got some sickness, I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so that's the first foundational truth. The second one, I'm not going to get to the third one. I've just given up, okay? But the second foundational truth, and we're really going to be quick on this one, is, is really simply this. It's God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of sickness. Man, we just need to know this. Because really, uh, prophet Isaiah speaking in, in Isaiah 5 verse 20, he says this. He says, there'll come a time when people will call evil good. He says, there'll come a time when people will begin to call good evil. Man, we need to know that healing is from God. Sickness is from the devil. Man, we need to know that healing is our friend. Sickness is our enemy. Church, we need to know that sickness is not a blessing in disguise. We need to know. We need to know in our knowers. In fact, we need to know in our knower of knowers. That sickness is not a tutor. Sickness is not a teacher from God that's meant to teach us a lesson. And really, we need to know that sickness is not the pruning of the Lord. So let's go quickly to John 6, 15, actually, in the King James. And we're just going to have a look at a few scriptures that are really going to help us uh, settle in our, in our hearts. You know, that sickness is not from God. So let's go to John 15. We're going to read verses 1 to 3 quickly as we close. It says, you know, so, so really just to set the scene on what was going on here. Um, Jesus, this was, Jesus was talking to his disciples really, really on the, the night before he was crucified. And so what was happening is him and his disciples were making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, where he was going to get arrested. And, and so on the way, um, many biblical scholars say, or at least believe, that on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, they uh, probably passed through uh, uh, vineyards or vineyards, right? And, and, and Jesus, as always, as with all sort of stories and parables, he decides to use that vineyard setting. He decides to use the natural, ordinary, everyday um, objects and things in front of him to begin to give his disciples an object lesson. And this object lesson um, would really help them to understand kingdom principles and kingdom realities. Okay, so that's really why he's talking about vines and branches and all of that stuff. Okay, so let's go to verse 1. And Jesus speaking in verse 1 says this. He says, I am the true vine. Oh, so is that where my clock is? <laughs> Why did I move from there? <laughs> okay, I've got time. I could have. Oh, anyway, we might make a third foundational truth. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, so um, he, says, he says this to his disciples. He says, I'm the true vine. And he says, my father is the husbandman. <laughs> so I said to the earlier service, man, that, that word husbandman is, is just simply fancy King James English. It just means farmer. <laughs> okay, or vine dresser, if you want to be a little bit more complicated, right? But what Jesus is starting to say here is, I'm the vine. My father, who's God, is the vine dresser, is the farmer. My, my father, God, is, is the one who has the responsibility of caring for the vine, is the one who has the responsibility for providing for the vineyard and ensuring that the vineyard is fruitful. Okay, that's all he's saying in verse 1. And then, and then we go on to verse 2. I just want to caveat it because John 15 verse 2 is probably one of the most misinterpreted passages of Scripture in the Bible. It really is. Um, and, and a misunderstanding of, of really this specific Scripture has led many people to really have a warped view of God's true nature. 
You know, a misunderstanding of John 15 verse 2 has led many people to really tolerate what they shouldn't be tolerating in their lives. It's led many people to passively accept sickness as a gift from God. And so if we really want to understand what Jesus is saying to us, what the Holy Spirit is really ministering to us in this verse, uh, we're going to have to look at some of the Greek words or Greek interpretation of some of the key words in this scripture. Okay, so let's read the scripture quickly. Jesus speaking, he then begins to say to his disciples, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he, in other words, God, takes away. And then he says, every branch that bears fruit, he, in other words, God, purges. You know, in the New King James, it says, God prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. And so, and so what we begin to see here is, is Jesus really starts talking about two types of branches. And we find out much later on, in, I think in verse 5, uh, Jesus actually starts to reveal to disciples, his disciples, that, man, as, as disciples of Christ, we are the branches. Okay, so, you know, he's talking about two types of branches. The first type of branch, he says this about, about this, this group of people. He says, you know, this branch is, he says, they're not, it's not bearing fruit. And because it's not bearing fruit, uh, the, the vine dresser is going to take, take it away. Okay? So, you know, while I was really studying this scripture, I did a little bit of research um, to really just understand what some scholars are saying out there about this particular verse. Man, it's sad to say there's one commentary I read by quite a popular scholar, and he said this, uh, you know, about what this verse, uh, verse means. And I want to submit to you, man, this is nonsense, okay? But, but this guy says, he says, he says you know, this, Jesus is saying, you know, if we're not bearing fruit, he says, God will take us away home with sickness and disease. Man, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And, and really, the key to understanding what Jesus is saying is, is, is that word take away, or taketh away. Because that's the Greek word ero, A-I-R-O, ero. And, and we see this word used in many places, many other places in the Bible. And in those places, it's more commonly translated as to lift up or to pick up. In fact, we, we, we see this, this word so, in so many places, we don't even realize, you know, uh, the Greek word error is being used. You know, one of the examples where we see the Greek word error being used is, remember the story of the ten lepers? There were 10 lepers who came to Jesus, um, you know, seeking healing. And remember, it says that, you know, Jesus healed them, but only one of them, um, you know, came back to say, to say thank you, right? And then he became whole, okay? But in that story, you know, as the 10 lepers went to Jesus, the, the scripture says these, these lepers lifted up their voices. That word lifted up is actually the same word, error. That's been translated takeaway, yeah, okay? And we see that same word, error, also used. Remember in the story of Lazarus, Lazarus had died. Um, and, and Jesus had come to pray for Lazarus, and um, Jesus is standing outside his tomb, and the scripture says, Jesus lifted up his eyes to the heavens. That's the same word, arrow. Lifted up. Pick up. And I said to the first service, I, I'm a city girl, okay? I, I, never, I never grew up on a farm, and man, I most certainly didn't have wealthy parents, you know, who had a wine farm. <laughs> and so some of these truths, some of these Stories are just so hard to really understand and grasp, um, you know, uh, if you've got your city girl lens on, right? So, you know, I, I did a little bit of research, and I'm going to try as best as I can to really um, explain to you a, a vineyard setting. And so, and so really, when, um, 
in a vineyard, what you'll find is you'll find a branch is always attached to a vine. I know someone said, duh, this morning. I didn't know these things. I'm a city girl, okay? But a, vi a, a vine is, a branch is always attached to a vine. And, and, and the vine is really the source of life, source of provision, source of nutrients to any branch. Okay, so these things like, must live together. But, but, but if we're to look at a branch, a branch in and of itself in a vineyard has no mechanism to support itself. And so what would happen is your vine dresser or your farmer, he'd either buy, and if he's really handy, he's going to make it, okay? So let's assume he's going to make it because he's just really handy. He's going to make some supports that he's going to place in the vineyard. And these supports are typically known as trellises, right? Trellis, if you want to call it, right? And so what the vine dresser does is he ensures that those branches are supported on the trellis, right? So you'll always find a branch wrapped around a trellis to support, right? Are you guys, is, is this making sense, right? I, did, I, I just don't have my picture today. I hope next time when I do the teaching, I'll have the picture up so that you can really see. But this is, this, is the, this is the vineyard setting, right? So a branch needs to be supported so that it can bear fruit. And so if a branch is not bearing fruit, the, the chances are that it's come off its, its support and it's in the dirt, it's in the, in the dust. You know, and if it's in the dirt, in the dust, I mean, it's like laden, it's like weighed down with the dirt. It cannot bear fruit. And so, and so usually when a, a vine dresser, he comes to check up on the, on the vineyard from time to time, man, and he says, man, my vine is not bearing fruit. Ah, it's because the branch is on the floor. It's come off its support. So when he, if he sees the branches come off its support, what did he do? What does he do? He picks it up. He lifts it up. And he puts that branch back on its support. He puts that branch back in a position where it can bear fruit. I hope you guys are seeing where we're going with this, right? In the same way, man, man, God is so good. God is so good. Because really in the same way, when we are not bearing fruit, you know, when we are down and out, you know, when we are wallowing in the dust, living well below our kingdom potential, you know, when we're not bearing fruit in our lives, what's our heavenly father going to do? He's also going to come along and he's going to lift us up. He's going to pick us up. God is not going to punish us for not bearing fruit by taking us away from his presence, you know, by removing us from this earth with some sickness and disease. No! This is so far from what Jesus was saying here. Church, I really need you to hear this. When we are not bearing fruit, God is going to come along. Man, God is so good. He's going to lift us up out of the dirt. He's going to lift us up out of our depression. He's going to lift us up out of our discouragement. He's going to lift us up out of our shame. And he's going to restore us back to our original identity. You know, God is going to put us back to a place where we can bear fruit. And he does this by reminding us of who we are in Christ. God picks us up by reminding us of our true identity. And you know why he does this? Because here, really, this is the thing. Our true identity is always higher than the circumstances that we may be faced with. Our true identity is always higher than whatever situation you may be faced with. And so God elevates us. God picks us up. God lifts us up with the gospel. He lifts us up by reminding us of who we are in Christ. Bringing us back to our identity. Bringing us back to a state of being fruitful. Amen. Amen. 
man, God is always lifting up. God is always picking us up. In fact, Psalm 145, I love this verse. In verse 14, in the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, the Lord helps the fallen. And it says, he lifts those bent beneath their loads. The Good News Translation says this. It says, God helps those who are in trouble. He helps us when we are in trouble. And the scripture says, he lifts those who have fallen. And the message translation says, he lifts up those who are ready to quit in life. Who are ready to give up because they're not being fruitful. Who are ready to to throw in the towel, you know, because of circumstances and challenges that they're experiencing in their lives. Man, God is always picking us up. God is always lifting us up. Man, let God lift you up this morning. Amen. And then Jesus continues. And he says in John 15 verse 2, he says, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. And so again, a key to really understanding what the scripture is saying, a key to really understanding what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning is for us to look at the original text. And so let's look at um, what the word purges. Uh, King, New King James says prune. And I think most of you are probably familiar with the word prune. But, but the word prune or the word purge is the Greek word katairo, which simply means this. It simply means to cleanse. To cleanse. And so again, for some of you who probably grew up in the cities, in the big cities, I'm going to give you a little bit of vineyard keeping 101, okay? What would then happen again is in ancient Israel... In Jesus' time, a vine dresser would often be seen cleaning the branches. And how he would clean the branches, because sometimes, you know, when branches are suspended on their support, sometimes when branches are, they're bearing fruit, right? But, but sometimes they get insects on them. You know, sometimes they get parasites on them. And sometimes they even get dirt on them, which can then again weigh them down, put them off the trellis. They get into the ground, they can't produce more fruit, okay? So the vine dresser knows this. And so often he'd be seen cleaning the branches so that they could be clean. And and really what he'd clean them with is he'd literally just use some water um, to really keep these these branches free from, from any of these impurities, okay? So can you see where I'm going with this? Okay? Because in the same way, you know, what Jesus is saying is he's, he's saying when we are bearing fruit, you know, God is going to prune us. In other words, God is going to continuously cleanse us so that we can bear more fruit. And so the question, you know, you're probably asking is, well, well what is this cleansing process? You know, the question you're probably asking is, how does God prune me? How does God prune us? And I'm, I'm going to answer this. But before I do, man, it's so sad. It really is sad. It's actually sad I even have to say that this. But a wrong interpretation of really how God prunes us has led to the doctrine of the pruning of the Lord. You've probably heard of that doctrine, right? Where the pruning of the Lord, they say, is some painful process where God is cutting us, you know, where God is slashing us through things like sickness and disease and suffering and tragedy, so that eventually, you know, when we've gone through all these things, we will bear more fruit. Man, you know, hear my heart. I actually, I cringe when I have to share these truths, but, you know, this is what the Lord wants me to reveal these truths to you, because it's the truth of the word of God that's truly going to set you free. Okay? That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
The pruning of the Lord is not some sickness. It's not some tragedy. It's not some pain, grief. He's not using that to teach you in any way. He's not using that. He's not inflicting those painful, awful things on you so that you can bear more fruit. And you know what's so interesting? What I've also discovered, you know, as I've researched and studied this uh, whole uh, incorrect doctrine of the pruning of the Lord, what I discovered is the enemy's now become quite... um, quite, uh, well, he's tried to be creative, but he really hasn't because we've caught him out, right? But he, he started to understand that many people know that God is not the author of sickness, right? So, you know, that kind of is not working anymore. And so now he's snuck in an even weird doctrine into the church. And he started to teach people that God allows, he allows sickness and disease so that we can bear more fruit. Man, that's dumb, It's really silly because I'm a mother. I have two daughters who I love passionately. I would never, ever, ever allow them to enter a room full of dangerous, poisonous snakes. I mean, I wouldn't do that. But our Father God is so much better than I am as a parent. Man, He loves us so much than I could ever love my children. He is not allowing the enemy to put sickness on you, okay? Hear me. He is not. God is not allowing the enemy to put sickness on you. Amen. And so you're probably wondering, okay, so, you know, why, why are some bad things happening to people? Man, there's so many reasons. You know, there's the deception of the enemy. Man, the, the enemy is just a liar. You know, and if, you're not, if you don't know, if you're not established in, in the truth of the word of God, man, you'll be deceived, right? Um, there's also ignorance. You know, some people truly, truth be told, just make bad choices, They make bad choices. And in their bad choices, man, they're always the ones that are quick to say it's the pruning of the Lord. But really, if they had submitted to God's word, you know, if they'd submitted to the leading of the direction of the Holy Spirit, some bad things just would not happen in our lives. Okay? And and again, the problem with thinking that the pruning of the Lord is is some painful, awful infliction of tragedy process is that it's not consistent with the rest of God's word. It's also not consistent with the true nature of God. And specifically, it's not consistent with the context of this verse. Because if we would just read the verse in context, and this is where a lot of really bizarre teaching comes from, because people just want to read a a verse, and they want to create a whole doctrine out of it. And they really haven't bothered to search out the context of, of, of which that verse was being spoken to. If we would just carry on reading, if people would just carry on reading, they'd probably have the right doctrine, okay? And so we're going to do that, just that. In order to understand how God prunes us, we're going to carry on reading and we'll have all the answers. So let's go quickly to verse 3. And we're really going to start ending there. But verse 3 says this. It says, Now you are clean. How? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now that word clean is the Greek word kataros. Doesn't that sound familiar? Remember we talked about the Greek word katairo in verse 2? Well, kataros, which is being spoken of here, is the adjective. Is the adjective, which is related to the verb in verse 2, katairo. And you know, guess what they mean? They both mean to clean. They both mean to free from impurities. And so now what we begin to see in John 15 verse 3, I mean, it's so, it's so clear. That we are clean through the word that Jesus has spoken through us to us 
We are clean. We are cleansed. We are pruned through the word. And it's so simple. The word is what God uses to prune us. The word is what God uses to purge us, to cleanse us so that we can bear more fruit. You know, the scripture says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a truth is established. So let's look at a few, a, few, a few witnesses and then we will close because time is fast running out. I wish time would go so fast like this while I was on a treadmill. I mean, really? Hey, it's awful, right? You know, I'm on a treadmill and I'll let you in on a secret. Whenever I'm on the treadmill, I make sure that I put the towel over the timer, right? Every time. True story. And so there I am. I'm running, man. I'm sweating. My legs are burning. I'm thinking, yeah, today I've really jogged, right? And I flip the towel and the towel says, two minutes. (laughs) Why doesn't time run out as fast on a treadmill? But anyway, anyway, they say time flies when you're having fun. So quickly, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 6 in the NLT. And it says this. It says, all scripture, in other words, God's word is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And then it ends off by saying, God uses it. God uses the word to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Man, that's powerful. Because what it's, the scripture is saying is it's the word that God uses to equip us. It's the word that God uses to be, help us be fruitful. Ephesians 5 verse 25 to 26. Again, put it in your toolkit. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. There's the word katairo, right? How? With the washing of water by the word. And then last verse, for good measure, as we close, Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And so church, I want to submit to you this morning, man, it's the word. God's word is his method of pruning us. You know, God, God doesn't need the devil's help to help us be fruitful. The word is enough. The word is more than enough. Amen. And amen. And so really, we need to be so established in this foundational truth. You know, sickness is not from God. Sickness is from the devil. We need to know that we know that we know that that sickness, it's not your friend. Sickness is your enemy. And the challenge is, you know, if if we passively accept sickness as being some sort of blessing in disguise from the Lord as if we passively accept sickness as being some way in which the Lord is is pruning us you know what will happen we're not going to become aggressive enough to resist it from 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 stealing and killing and destroying our lives you know we're not going to have the boldness the confidence to tell it to leave our lives and the Bible says this if we don't resist the devil he will not flee you know I shared and I'm really going to close with this um, I, shared, I shared a testimony with, um, with the first service. And this is something that happened in our lives. Um, I had to go for a conference um, in Cape Town. It was like a four-day conference. And, um, and Pastor T had to look after the kids. So he was daddy daycare. And as I literally, as I landed, as I was signing in for, um, for the conference, I got, I got a call. I got the call, you know, um, that parents don't need to get, Okay. And um, PT was calling me and he's saying, okay, Munesu had just had a seizure and she's in an emergency. She's sick. Okay. It's bad. And I remember, you know, man, I, I, it was very real to me. 
and I decided to excuse myself from the conference. And really, as I was making my way to the hotel room, man, a righteous anger started boiling up on the inside of me. Man, I began to get angry because I knew sickness is not my friend. Man, I knew that sickness was coming into our lives really to steal, kill, and destroy. And man, I remember being in that room and the Holy Spirit, man, He just started giving me words and I just began to roar these words out loud. Man, I began to say, I began to say things like, not today, devil, not on my watch. Man, I began to rebuke that sickness from her body. I began to say things like, man, by the stripes that wounded Jesus, I know Munesu is healed. Man, I began to speak life into her body. I began to command every sickness, every, every organ, every tissue, every cell in her body to be healed. Man, I, I, I got aggressive. I got aggressive because I'm established in this truth. And you know what I did that day? fought the good fight of faith and and fighting the good fight of faith is not all out brawling with the devil no fighting the good fight of faith is simply standing on his word and refusing to give up refusing to give into the doctor's reports refusing to give into the bad news and I, i'm sharing this story really to cut a long story short melissa was like miraculously healed and she was out of that hospital in fact i didn't have to go back to Joburg. I stayed for that conference for the four days, the full four days. I, I enjoyed every day of that conference. And so I say this to you because, you know, if you think sickness is a gift from God, man, if you think sickness is, is your friend, you're not going to have the same boldness. You can't. You're not going to have the same confidence. Amen. Amen. And so we need to be bold when we know that we know that we know that sickness is not from God. Sickness, God is not the author of sickness, man. We, we, it'll give us a Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, anger to tell that sickness to go. Okay, and I'm out of time, so why don't we get up off our feet? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so the third, um, the third foundational truth that I wanted to share this, this morning is, is that healing is a, is a finished work. Healing is a finished work. And it's done. Amen? Amen? And so I, I just want to open up an invitation this morning. You know, if you are sick, you know, if you right now you've got pain, you've got some form of something that you're dealing with in your body, I, I really want you to put up your hand because we want to pray for you this morning. And we want to we want to lay hands on you this morning. You know, don't don't leave with that sickness. Don't leave with that pain. You know, uh, Jabu said it. She said, "Faithful Church is a sickness-free zone." You know, we've got we've got we are believers. We believe the word, and we we believe that this morning we're going to lay hands on you. And when we lay hands on you, you will recover. You know, when we lay hands on you, that sickness, that pain. Whatever you're going through, it will have no choice but to leave. And so again, I'm opening up the invitation. Man, if you've got anything, maybe it's your children. We, we, can, we can speak the word. Maybe it's a relative somewhere, not here. Maybe it's a relative overseas, wherever. Put up your hand because we want to speak the word of God over them. This is a sickness-free zone. Don't discount yourself. Man, maybe even like a little headache. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God wants you well today. God wants you well today. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that you're here because God wants you here. 
And so if you have any pain, if you have any sickness, if there's anything that we need to, uh, uh, to get rid of this morning, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. And I'm going to ask believers, I'm going to ask believers to go and find a hand. Every believer in this room, man, we're going to put the word of God into practice. Don't disqualify yourself. I'm going to actually, like, there's someone who is, um, man, you're, you're like, you were like me. I'm not qualified. I, my BC days, man, I did some really wild stuff. It's, I'm not qualified. You are qualified. If you are, if, if the voice of fear is speaking to you right now, run to a person who's got their hand up. Run, run, run. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we see some hands there. Okay, I see right a hand right at the back. Is there any believer left? Run to the back. There we go. Hallelujah. You know, Scripture says, Believers shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. There's one more group of people we need to lay hands on. You know, there's some sickness that's not physical. There's some sickness that's internal. And I, I feel so strongly that there's someone here who um, you lost a relative, I think, some time ago. Man, your heart is broken. And we just want to pray with you because that grief is not from the Lord. That grief is not from the Lord. You lost a relative. I think it might even have been a close friend. Um, I just want to pray for you. Please, if it's you, if you've got, it's a heartache. It's a real heartache. A heartache. You know, put up your hands and we're going to get a believer to pray for you because, man, that, that uh, the, uh, yeah, Jesus can heal a broken heart. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that it is your will for us to be well. Father, we thank you that it is your will for healing to flow freely in our lives. Father, we thank you that it is your will to function from a position where we never get sick. Father, we thank you that as believers this morning, we choose to be counted as those who are the answer to the problem of sickness in this world. As we lay hands on the sick, we thank you, Father, that they are healed. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to sick bodies right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to disease right now in the name of Jesus. I, we take authority over every sickness, over every disease. We take authority over every virus. Incurable, they've said. Uh-uh, it's not incurable. We're going to infect you with health in the name of Jesus. Infection with health in the name of Jesus. Right now, we speak to every organ. We speak to every organ. We speak to brains right now. We speak to brains right now. We speak to hearts right now. We speak to hearts right now. And we command the hearts to function in the perfection to which God created them to function. And we just refuse for any more malfunction in the heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the brokenhearted in this place. Father, I pray for those that have been living in a, in a sense of, of, of grief. Lord, you know, you say in your word that you, you heal the broken hearts. You, 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 you are able and you are willing to bind up our wounds. And so right now, I speak healing. Right now, I speak healing, 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 
health and no other way. Healing, healing, health and no other way. And no other way. And no other way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak to twitching in eyes. There's a, a nerve I, I, that's, that's causing your eye to twitch. We speak healing right now over that nerve in the name of Jesus. We speak to ears right now. We speak to ears right now. We come against ringing in ears right now. We come against healing ringing in ears right now in the name of Jesus. We come against sore ears. There's something about a sore ear. We come against sore ears right now. No more soreness in ears right now in the name of Jesus. Right now I speak to um, a, a numb, numb uh, fingers numbness in your fingers you know you're working and there's you get a numbness in your finger uh-uh that's not from God we come against it in the name of Jesus we speak healing right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus there's some of you who are going to feel some tingling you're probably feeling some tingling as some believers are laying hands on you that's okay that's the healing power of God God wants you well God wants you well amen Father, I just thank you. I thank you for healing. I thank you for healing, Father. Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. I thank you that today you've stirred up their faith. Today you've stirred up their confidence. Father, I thank you that they will dare to believe and to step out in faith, Father. I thank you that today they will dare to believe and to put up their hands to be the answer, to be the answer that the world needs for this problem of sickness and disease. Father, I thank you that they're the answer to healing, healing, healing in their workplaces. Father, I thank you that you there will be ample opportunities, Father, for them to lay hands on their sick in the marketplace, in the shops. Man, man, some of you are going to be laying hands in some really interesting places. Man, but, but don't disqualify yourselves. You're loaded. You've got in you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And let it flow to others. Let it minister healing to others. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. So I'm going to ask you, those who have had hands laid on them, if there's something that you couldn't do, man, try to do it, you know. If it was your back, if whatever it is, try to do it. Man, if you still got that pain, look, look for that believer who laid hands on you and get them to lay hands on you again. And get them to lay hands on you again, okay? Amen. Amen. Well, we love you. Do we have any visitors, first-time visitors? We do. If you are first-time visitor, man, we want to honor you this morning. And so we... We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.